Welcome to the Thinking Big Podcast. Today, I welcome Christopher Decker to the show as we talk about the importance of authenticity. Christopher is the author of the book Profit, the host of the Age of Authenticity podcast, and the founder of SalesCast. In the process, we dive into how Chris overcame sexual infidelity and addiction, drug and alcohol addiction, and a lawsuit that almost brought him to his knees, and how he overcame that to become his authentic self. Today, we're going to put our big boy pants on and think big about what it takes to be authentic. Welcome to the Thinking Big Podcast with Sean Osborne, the show helping you think bigger into your life and potential. Sean believes by equipping you with the tools, strategies, and philosophies required to be successful in all aspects of your life, you can achieve anything you believe in. Empowering our own growth makes a deeply positive and lasting impact on our lives, community, and our world. Now, here's Sean. I want to welcome uh, Christopher Decker to the show. Uh, he is with the Age of Authenticity, which is a great name, by the way. I absolutely love that name. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about, you know, what that is and and really how you came about that name? Because I think it's, I think that's one of those names that goes right to the point of where we need to be. Thank you, Sean, for asking. I'm very excited to be on the show today. And the Age of Authenticity is a thesis. It's a, a way of being and a way of life. And I think it is this new era and this new age, this new time frame that we're entering as a society where amongst hatred, corruption, greed, and mistruth, the only thing that's going to stand out for yourself, your company, your audience is the authentic truth, is that core. The farther you run away from it, the more pain you're in. The more you wait, the longer you wait, the farther you go. It's You can go as far or fast as you want, but you'll still be there. Yeah. And that's, so when you're talking about being kind of your authentic self, you know, I see, you know, we're both in podcasts and we do this up, but we, I, I constantly see people that try to mimic or try to emulate, you know, so many other people instead of being really who they really are, who their authentic person is. And to me, I don't think you can really get big or I don't think you can really be truly successful unless you are being you. I mean, we're the only ones that we are. And and trying to be, to me, trying to be someone else or trying to uh, is just a, I don't know, it feels fake. It feels, and, and I, you know, I've tried to emulate people. I've tried doing that same thing. And it's just like, you can't get very far unless you are true to yourself and true to who, you know, who you are at the core. That that's absolutely correct. There, there's only one real thing. There's only one you that was born with God given talents and abilities. There's only, there's only one you and finding that authentic self, that authentic message, the real thing you could wait till you're 70 years old and still have never found it or you could begin that process now it, it'll you'll or you'll spend the rest of your life chasing it yeah so when did you so what are some of the things in your past that have either happened or what are some of the situations where you know you kind of woke up and, and you kind of said okay this is my authentic self you know how how do we know 
when we're our authentic self? Are there things that we can look for? Are there things we can look at to say, hey, this is the authentic me? I've been asking this very question of New York Times bestselling authors, CEOs of hundred plus million dollar companies. I've been asking them what this message of authenticity has meant and, and what what it's meant to them. And the only thing I'm truly qualified to answer is my own story. So I'm so happy that you said that. You see, I grew up in an environment where I was in and out of meth dealers homes until I was about nine years old. And this taught me that it was okay to have guns at the dinner table. And this taught me, this taught me so many early survival tactics as a young human being, there was a sort of a devoid of love. And so seeking that later in life looked like me versus the world. I was going to go found the billion dollar company, make all the F you money in the world. And I'm going to show you, I had this revenge model. And this forced me into a Darth Vader persona, chasing after investment dollars, chasing after a, a lifestyle of flashy cars and nice things. I'm going to tell you right now, Sean, that, that that fakeness, that absolute freaking fakeness on the outside, I had the, I had the nice high-rise apartment with the high, the high ceilings, the fast sports car, all these things. I was hit with a lawsuit that threatened to take away every penny I'd made as a young entrepreneur. I was in the midst of sexual infidelity and addiction, alcohol addiction, drug addiction. My world was crashing down. This whole straw tower that I had built of bullshit was, 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 was compromised in that moment. I remember reaching this point where I said, it's enough. I can't take it anymore. I surrender. I surrender. Look, having to tell my wife that our life was about to be over was one thing. Seeing, seeing how that destroyed her on the inside, I don't know if it caused the miscarriage, but we had one almost immediately thereafter. She was... It was it was a total collapse of the BS, and thank God that that happened. <laughs> yeah, and so what? What do you think? If you look back, I mean, just curious, what do you think drove the decisions to do some of those things? What drove the the desire to have you know the high rise and the you know the, the sports cars? Because we all want nice things. I mean, I, I think that you know wanting nice thing is not necessarily a bad thing. But what drove you? to make those decisions and to do those things? It was simple. If I, I've never really had much relationship with my father, he's been in and out of prison my whole life. I figured if I bought the dream car that he wanted when he was a teenager and he saw me driving it, he was going to say, Hey son, I approve of you. He's still never seen the damn car. I, I, I was seeking this external validation for people to say, you are that thing that I want to be this, 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 and I wanted to be that thing. I wanted people to see me in a certain way and control the interaction. And for the most part, Sean, for the most part on the outside, it was working. There were people following what things that I were say, was saying. I was building community around this, this mentality of, of, of chase and hustle and, and making that oh, the money was my God. Self image was my God. Narcissism, narcissism was my God. All of this, a, an, an, an idol to these, 
man, just worldly desires. Um, I figured there, if I had enough sex, I, I was able to get drunk enough, high enough, chase, chasing uh, some sort of satiated state, running away from the pain, trying to seek some sort of pleasure. And you know what? It's kind of like athlete's foot. When you go and scratch it, it just makes it worse. Yeah. What was the breaking point? Because I've been through things in my life as well. You know, I've, I've lost virtually everything with the decisions that I made and, and with, you know, environment and, and, you know, the economy and, and, you know, what, what was it that finally broke the camel's back and said, you know what, this shit's got to change. I've got to do something different because what I'm doing now is clearly not only is it hurting me, but it's hurting, you know, the, the ones that I love. It was, it was a, a really dark moment. Um, I'd come clean to my wife about going to strip clubs. I'd come clean about porn. I'd come clean about going to massage parlors. I'd come clean about um, the drinking that I was doing on my own, not even when we were together. Um, just coming clean about it all, coming clean about our financial situation, having to say that like we are, this is what we're going to have to invest in legal fees now because of my mistake. And my mother-in-law was really kind. She loaned me the money to go to a, a workshop in Sacramento called Every Man's Battle. And this is um, a, a Christian workshop meant to help men in the battle struggling with sex addiction to find some freedom. And I was not a religious guy, total atheist. I not, not, had nothing, did, didn't want anything to do with this, but I figured I'm willing to try anything because I don't want to lose everything that was near and dear to me, even though I was responsible for all of these actions, like I still knew there was a good person inside of there. I just couldn't look in the mirror. And so in order to get to the conference at 10 AM in Sacramento on time, I had to leave my place in Irvine around three, 3 AM or so. And this is how, this is how twisted I was. This is how twisted I was on my way there. I was looking up strip clubs that were still open. And needless to say, I stopped by one in downtown Los Angeles, took out the rest of the cash that I had in the ATM. And like a druggie about to check into rehab, I just bought everything that I could on the spot. I bought everything that I could on the spot, uh, VIP room, you name this. And I remember just going into the bathroom, the lights flickering, there's shit on the walls. I'm like in a bathroom stall. I go look in the mirror. I look in my eyes and I say, what the fuck are you doing? Who, who is this guy? <laughs> this is the worst. You are, you, you idiot. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to destroy your whole life. I didn't know that the miscarriage was happening at the time. I thought that the pregnancy was going to go to term and I was going to be a dad. And I'm like, you've spent your whole life running away from what this man this this guy that was your dad, you spent your whole life saying you would never become like him. Yet here you are, motherfucker. Sorry if you don't do cursing on your show. Here you are, motherfucker. You just did it. <laughs> you are that asshole. I think for listeners that that are listening, I, I one point I want to make, and and it's because so many people are in that situation, and it's so to me, it's I see it. It's so easy to fall into doing those those things those self-sabotaging things that we all end up doing but one of the things that you said i think is very important and that is you know we are not 
our actions. We are not our results. That's just a, a reflection of things that we've done, but that's not who we are. You know, that's not the core of us. That's not, you know, that, that that's just an action. That's just a kind of an aftermath of, of what we've done, but that's not who we are. It's like, you know, it's almost like saying, you know, where you're at right now is your full potential. And that is absolutely not true. That's just where, that's just your current situation. That's not your, you know, your full potential. And, you know, what, what do you think? Because I think that it is, you know, I think this is fairly, I don't want to say fairly common, but I think we all fall into these bad, you know, kind of these these self-sabotaging things that we do, whether it's drugs, whether it's alcohol, whether it's, you know, being mean to the the ones we love, whatever it is. But why do we, God, and it seems like we always, we always, to me, that that's the easiest thing to do. It's like, it, it takes hard work. It takes dedication. It takes, you know, self-discipline to not do that, but yet to do it is just so easy as shit. It's you can do it any day. I mean, it's it's it seems so mm-hmm. simple to do the bad stuff and and sometimes so hard to do the good stuff. I I still I made it I made it to the to the workshop on time by the grace of God. I made it there on time, and I finally started to share this the, the story of my upbringing with other men that were loving and accepting. And I heard that some of them were more messed up than I was. I didn't feel alone anymore. I thought I was the only screwed up guy that did these things. I thought I was going to take it to the grave with me, but no, here I was. I I felt this connection again for the first time by the end of the workshop. I was offered a, a, a chance. Someone cared enough about me to ask, Hey man, do you want to start a relationship with Jesus Christ? And I don't know. I'm not saying it's your show, religious based, whatever. This is just my story. I was scared, but you know what? I said, yes. And that was the, that was the turning point of surrender, accepting a savior God that, that changed everything. I got into a recovery program, a 12 step recovery program called, called celebrate recovery at that point. And then every single week, multiple couple times a week, that's that story accelerator, that isolation breaker that come together and finally realize my patterns and my BS by sharing the things that I'd been holding in for my entire life. Just the the, the shackles of this weight just start like I, I felt free. I thought there was maybe a light at the end of the tunnel. You know, that just started the work. It's been years, but that just started the work. Was it just like a complete lifting of weight when you went to that first meeting, when you went to that first, I mean, did, did, did it, was it just all of a sudden just snap? Hey, I see the light. No, no, no. Um, in fact, I, 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 I asked my wife, will you, will you go with me to this? I, we were, I was desperate. I was desperate to, to figure this out. Um, and we went to happy hour right afterward. We went to a late night happy hour and just continued, the, the cycle of nonsense. But you see, God had had a foothold at that point. There was like a still small voice inside that, that knew that, that, that if I just kept coming back and they could chip away a little bit at a time, you see, Sean, it, it really, that is when the work began several months later. I remember I was in church. I heard a I heard a, a a message from Pastor Rick Warren at Saddleback Lake Forest, and he said, "If you're trying, if you're trusting Jesus in your life, and you're not putting God first in your business, business, 
Oh, he went after the money. <laughs> he went after the money right there. Oh, don't you dare touch the money. He went after my, he went after business. And I was so convicted. I'm telling you, Sean, I was walking back out to my car and there was a rubber bu band bungee cord pulling me back. I said, I, I am, I've, I've had it with my way. I, I, I was, I was, I was baptized right there on the spot. And that's when the work began. That's when I took a look at my client base. I took a look at the work I had done. I look at, took a look at the compromises I had made for a paycheck. I realized I was working for some criminals and I was rationalizing as I'm just the marketing guy. You know what? It still matters. It matters. It matters that I took the check and didn't deliver. It, it matters that they have nefarious activities going on. That, that was not easy, but I had to say no to all of it. And, and, and we went to income zero at that point. I was like, this, I, I can't even do this anymore. <laughs> yeah. And you, you keyed in on a point that, and, and it doesn't matter what you believe in, whether it's, you know, it, it doesn't matter what you believe in, but whatever it is, mm. it does, it affects your entire life. It, we can't compartmentalize who we are, you know, and, and, if, and if we have something that's, that's in our life that we believe in something, it's going to affect everything we do. It's going to affect our finances, you know, our business, our, our relationships, everything we have. I think, I think it's, you know, whatever we believe in, it affects everything. There, I, mm -hmm. I just can't see us compartmentalizing and, and having one aspect, you know, in, in my personal life, not completely affect my business life not completely affect my friendships with people. I mean, it all, you, I, I can't, some people might, but I cannot compartmentalize like that at all, at all. Mm. So what, I, I'm curious, what, you know, you go, you're going through all this stuff. What are some of the things that came out of this that you said, well, this is my authentic self. I mean, I would think that going through this, you had, you know, some incredible self-realizations. You had some, mm. you know, epiphanies of, of who you are. You started digging down into your actual you. What are, what are some of the things that you found out about yourself that, that you didn't know? Mm. I started to discover my, my capacity to love and care for another person because to be perfectly honest, I didn't care about anybody at that point. I didn't care about anybody. I didn't care who you were. You were only as good as whether or not your credit card went through, to be perfectly honest. Uh, I was stealing from the rich, except I wasn't giving to the poor. I was like a shitty Robin Hood. <laughs> um, so th th it, it, took, it took a year. It took a year of just continuing to chip away, chip away, chip away. Um, and it was, it was a bit of Tony Robbins that woke me up. March of 2019, I had been going through the regular recovery program. I still was not sober at this point, but I was cleaning up other areas of my life. And I went to go crew his Unleash the Power Within event in Los Angeles with 15,000 attendees at the Los Angeles Convention Center. I had been an attendee, and so I was able to go and crew and be a part of the event and be a part of the staff and be a part of the service and have to get out of my own way and focus on other people. I had no idea the level of magic that was associated with that until 
right after, if you've been to a Tony Robbins event, you know exactly what I'm talking oh, about. Yeah. You look at those hot coals and you're about to walk over them. You say, you say F no, but you know what? You, you, you got it. You got it inside you. If I had it inside me, you got it inside you. And right there, I'm standing at the entrance back into the LA convention center and people had just started to do this fire walk and they're coming back and they see me. I don't know how the hell I ended up there. I was the guy that was standing right there in the middle before between the, the end of the fire walk and their seat and people are running up to me. And usually when people are running up to you like a bulldozer, you get the heck out of the way. But I said, no, I'm going to stay right here. They're jumping on me. They're giving me hugs. They're high-fiving. They're showing me energy. And, and then all of a sudden, it was slow motion, Sean. It was slow motion. I knew what each person wanted. I knew this person needed a smile. I knew this person needed a hug. I knew this person needed me to just get out of the way because they had some shit to accomplish. And I saw it, Sean. I, I saw it. I had reached a high so up 15,000 people, Sean, to go through that many people that are at that level of elation. And I'm wearing the Tony Robbins t-shirt. I'm the guy that they, that they're like, oh man, this guy must've gone through the program. And something about that mentality, you're just like, I'm going to show up and I'm just, I'm going to, I'm going to be that guy. Sean, this brought me to a level that no drug, sex, alcohol, anything else to a spiritual plane where I knew as a matter of fact, God existed. Like this moment was so eye-opening of what my place was in the world with my capacity to love and to give and, and, and to be a solid tree and foundation for other people, even if I didn't want to be, even if I thought I was that, that, that asshole in the, at the, at the, in the strip club bathroom, none of it mattered. I knew that the old ways could be gone. I knew that was a new day. I never drank again from that moment forward. I've been sober ever since that exact time period. Um, and then knocking off alcohol at one point it was just like i'm not that guy anymore i was there it was the crew rap party we were we all ordered drinks it was just like this social thing that we did and i saw the double jameson on the rocks come there the waiter spilled a little bit on me i said oh that smells kind of weird and i looked at it and i'm like this isn't me anymore i don't do this why did i do this this isn't me i don't want this oh that's powerful and 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 i think so one of the things that you said that one for one UPW is an absolute amazing <laughs> thing, and if any of them, the listeners have not been to UPW, even the virtual ones now, they are absolutely life changing events. Yeah, the the energy, the the what you don't get on the on the you know the the virtual one that he's doing right now because of the COVID is, I don't think you get as much of that room energy, that vibration, mm. that oh, just the power of people is just unbelievable. But one of the things you said is absolutely true. When we do something with the intent to teach, mm-hmm. we get it at such a different level. So when you went in to do, you know, UPW and you were on the, you know, on the crew, you went in with a much different, to me, a, what I do is it's a, such a different mindset that mm-hmm. when I go and teach these things, because I do stuff with, with uh, Tony Robbins as well, I get, I feel like I'm stealing because when I go there, you know, they, they pay you and stuff, but it's like, I get more out of it than I give to, to people when I'm coaching them. And it's like, man, I feel like I'm stealing from them because 
Mm. I'm getting just as much as they are, if not more. And, uh, but yeah, that's such a phenomenal thing. And it is, it's a life changing event. It can be if you, you know, if you let it and, uh, oh, that's, that's fantastic. So you stopped, that was it. No more drinking from then. That, that was it. You know, it, it was, I don't, so there are guys listening to this that need to hear this today. I'm going to tell you right now, porn will kill you. It, it, it is the hardest thing to stop because it's so embedded in a natural human desire. And Sean, I don't know where you are on that spectrum, but I am telling you that I am addicted to porn. And if it, I, I can't even touch it or look at it or get anywhere near it, if I just life on this side of sobriety, of being clean and clear in my conscience going through the work to get rid of this garbage. And look, I'm only a couple years in there is, I'm going to be at this for the rest of my life. That what got me here was my best thinking ever. I mean, and and so uh, that's meant to be not so good. Like my best thinking got me to the, the, the lowest points. And Sean, I'm telling you, I am close to being debt free. My conscience is clear. I am doing work that serves people at a massive level. I want to connect a hundred million people to their story, help them break out of isolation and into acceptance. Sean, I had no idea that I was born for a purpose more than just being a money-making machine because I don't care about it anymore. I want to see someone happy on the other end of this story connection. I'm not even, I had no idea I was going to get into podcasting in the first place. It was a total accident. It's just something that started to work. <laughs> and it's a, it's amazing what we can do when we get outside of ourselves. When mm. we get outside, it is, it's unbelievable what we can do. And you bring up your podcast. So you have a fantastic podcast as well. And it is the Age of Authenticity podcast as well. And it's, it talks. So I've, I've been through, you know, several of your episodes. Great, uh, great podcast. What is your main intent with that podcast? The main intent is to get some of the best stories from the best storytellers in the world so that we can we can help a hundred million connect to their story, maybe break out of isolation for a moment, say, hey, I'm not alone. That's the root of it. I don't want people to feel alone anymore. I feel like the biggest thing in the middle of this pandemic, this epidemic is not an epidemic of money. It's not an epidemic of a virus. It's an epidemic of loneliness and feeling alone. We've been cut off from our friends, our family, our careers, our work life, and we're stuck staring at cameras and computer screens. And I'm here to say that just because you're staring at cameras and computer screens doesn't mean you have to be alone. There's a way to connect to that story. And so I have no idea how it's happening, but we've had New York Times bestselling authors. I just interviewed Mark Victor Hanton and his wife, Crystal Dwyer Hanton. The dude has sold 500 million copies of his books, Chicken Soup for the Soul. And I opened up the podcast interview with a prayer and now we're friends and we're doing a project. I'm like, pinch me. I'm dreaming. I can't believe this is life. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> oh, that's, that is amazing. And I, I do, I think so with what we're going through, I think... You know, I've been doing this podcast for a little over a year now, and I can tell you it's been a savior in the sense that I have been able to connect. I mean, you know, we're not we're not in the same room. You know, we're on you know over a computer, but I can see you, and it's not the mm. exact same thing. 
But man, it has been a godsend to be able to connect with other people and actually talk, talk about good things, mm-hmm. talk about some things that are hard. Sometimes it's hard to talk about this shit. Sometimes it's hard to, but, but stories and the stories that we go through absolutely touch people and help people. And, you know, mm-hmm. talking about, you know, all the crap that you went through and all the crap that you did and all the pain that you caused. But when you sit back, it's like, if you tell that story, if you talk to other people about that, you might just help somebody else out that's going through the same damn shit. You mm-hmm. might just be able to. And that's why, you know, when I talk about, you know, my past and the things that, that happened, it's like, that's pretty shitty of me. If I don't tell people, you know, a lot of people don't want to bring up their past. They don't want to bring up, you know, stuff that they did in the past, but mm-hmm. that is pretty shitty of you to not <laughs> tell your story because you you might be preventing someone from growing. You might be preventing someone else from not doing drugs anymore and not doing, you know, not, not drinking and not going to strip clubs by keeping it to yourself, by, by everybody keeping their stories to themselves. You're just hurting other people. You're hurting yourself and you're hurting other people. You're, you're, they're not able to give that, get that gift of knowledge that you have, you know, it's taken you a long time to get your knowledge and why not help someone else out that's two steps behind you? Maybe, you know, maybe do it a little bit faster because of the story that, that you've told. And now, now you're, you're putting the story in a book as well. Absolutely. 100%. I, I had to, I have to just paint the rest of the picture. It'll just take a moment and say, that the journey is like it's rough is rough sometimes i will i will go down a memory lane kind of thing in one of my morning meditations or or all of a sudden after i'm doing a tony robbins prime in the morning like it it, there there it is it is hard sometimes because i have to i have to sit with the person that i've been but you know, there is a freedom and there's a liberation from that, a look forward, a retraining of the brain to look for gratitude and thankfulness in every single thing I do and to hand it all over to God and say, look, I can't even handle this anymore. I'm fully surrendered and I, everything in my life has been a full surrender. And I'm here to tell you, Sean, that it is working. My marriage is better than it's ever been. We actually communicate and we talk and we have a freaking budget and we don't claw each other's eyes out. My wife is sober now because she decided to follow that train. Thank God we have a six months old son who doesn't have to ever know about who I was. Maybe he'll see some of these videos at some point. And, and a thriving business and a family that is, that is thriving, if you're looking for it, there is abundance and prosperity out there. I'm not talking about the kind of prosperity where if you do good, you'll hopefully make a billion dollars. I'm talking about the kind of prosperity where you're in line with what you were meant to do to serve. And thank God that that's an option. The age of authenticity. I'm putting these interviews. I'm putting all the real stuff into a book that you can buy, maybe get a free copy. I'm not exactly sure how that's going to work. Right now it's the show. I got to become the book first. I wrote the first book, Profit, uh, People Revenue Offering, Faith, Insurance, and Time. And you know what, Sean? It's a bad book. It's not very good. But like Stephen King says, if you write 12 shitty pages a day, eventually you will become a great author. So I knew I had to get the first bad book out there and start working on the next one and the next one and the next one, because that's mastery. That's, that's 
Tony Robbins teaching in a nutshell, I'll save you all of the time, trouble and frustration. If you just fix your habits, you'll fix everything else. <laughs> the trouble I have is why do I have the habits that I have? <laughs> so I got, <laughs> you know, figuring that out. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, you've got to, and to me, it's always about progress, not about perfection. And it's, mm. you know, writing it, you, you're absolutely right. Write bad stuff because eventually you're going to write good stuff. You know, eventually, you know, it, it, and you look at any, anybody that's doing anything, uh, whether mm. it's a comedian, whether it's a writer, whether, it doesn't matter what it is. You have to go through a lot of bad shit to get to the good stuff. Now, you, you got to go through a lot of the, you know, bad jokes before you have, you know, an hour worth of just good jokes only. And, and you've got to do that. Absolutely. Um, yeah, getting that bad stuff out is 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 so paramount. And I'll just relate this to podcasting for one second. When I did my first podcast, I was terrible at it. I remember having this overwhelming sensation of, I'm an amateur again, and I had considered my profession myself a professional in many areas. And only now, a hundred episodes in, do I finally feel like I might be a good podcaster. So what is the best way for people to get in touch with you? Best way to find me is on LinkedIn, https colon slash slash LinkedIn.com slash in slash L E E D E C K E R. Um, you can go to, um, you can find age of authenticity on the Apple podcasts app. You can just search for that. Um, those are the, the two best ways, LinkedIn or Apple podcasts. Yeah, and all, all, and everyone listening, I'm also going to put all the, all these links in the show notes. So when you're, you know, when you're done listening to this, go to the show notes and, and, uh, and, and start, uh, you know, click on the links right there and you can go right to the podcast and go right to the LinkedIn now, one of the things that you, you know, you, you mentioned on uh, doing your podcast and having to get better. To me, I think podcasts are one of the most under, even today, I think they're one of the most underutilized technologies for someone. If you're a solopreneur, if you're an entrepreneur, if you have a side hustle, to me, it is one of the best ways to get in touch with your, with your clients, with your, the people, with your tribe, with it's the best way I have ever found to actually make connections mm -hmm. with my the people who follow me and make connections. I mean, how often, you know, you've got blogs and you've got all these things, but how often are you going to have someone sit back and listen to you for 20 minutes, for 30 minutes, for 40 minutes and listen to you? I mean, it is an absolute, it's a phenomenal way to connect. And I think it's, again, I think it's going to be the thing of the future as far as, Podcasts are big, but they are nowhere near as big as it's going to get. And it's just Correct. opened up a whole big, I don't, I don't know if it would be an industry, but it's people can do now do their own. We can be our own publishers. We can be our own radio stations. We can be our, we have the power now to do it on ourselves. And to me, that's what podcasting does. It, can I give you the thought experiment? Uh, sure. This is another part of the thesis of age of authenticity and, and for your listeners today, um, I'll explain podcasting in a way that you might understand someone who has bought a hundred thousand fake followers on Instagram and is paying for engagement and likes. When we have a world where that exists, you can't prove the value of your network, but in a podcast, Sean right now is able to say that he interviewed Christopher Decker and there is a public record of that network right there till the end of time saying they met and they had a conversation. 
Ladies and gentlemen, I am telling you that the power of that network and being able to prove the efficacy of such is just getting started. We are entering an immutable truth powered world where you can't escape what is reality. You can't escape what you've done. You have a permanent record. So you got to get started on cleaning it up. Yeah. And podcasting, I'm telling you, is the best way today to do that. And like Sean said, it's just getting started. It's at the infancy. And, and the thing is, you think it's so far along. There's so many people doing podcasts no. out there, but it is so, from a technology, it, it's so underutilized right now. It, it's like we're at, we're at day one of, of a year when with podcasting. And so, and there's a lot, you know, going into podcasting a little bit, there's a lot of ways that you can do podcasts. And one of, to me, one of the best ways in what I actually love, love, love about podcasts is being able to interview people. I mean, it's mm -hmm. one thing just to do a solo podcast where you just talk and you teach and, you know, do whatever you're doing. You, you know, bullshit, you're a comedian, whatever it is. To me, I absolutely love the podcast format when you, when you're able to connect and you're able to interview and you're able to uh, communicate with people. And, and I know one of the things that you have is you have a masterclass on becoming a better interviewer. Now, I think that could, that's for anything. I, I truly think that's for anything. That's that's just it's almost like a match class for just being a better communicator. But it is very necessary if you're gonna do, you know, be doing a podcast, especially if you're gonna do a podcast where you interview people like this, this format here. I'll give you one of the best tips, and this is something Sean does really well. You can you can he he's actually listening. There's some people that don't listen. Is is I'm gonna tell you if you get into that interviewer seat and you have someone that's starting to say something, you've asked the right question, hang on to their words. Make your meditation practice, your breath, make what they're saying the thing that you're thinking. And when a thought comes up like a question that you think might be good, destroy it, kill it. When it when you when you go escape into a daydream, stop doing it. Come back to the breath because the interview practice looks exactly like a mindfulness practice. It's focusing your attention on another person for 30 minutes, 45 minutes, more time than you've probably ever spent on another person in a long time. But I'm telling you, Dale Carnegie, how to win friends and influence people. If you can show a genuine interest in others, your whole world is going to open up. So that's just a taste of the salescast um, uh, interviewing masterclass. It's going to be salescast.co slash masterclass. I'm putting this together specifically for the listeners of this exact episode. I've never released any of our coaching content for free, but I'm doing it one time only for Sean. Oh, well, I'll tell you, the, the listeners are going to appreciate that. And I, I Christopher, I, I tell you, I, I want to thank you so much for, for being on you know, the, the realness, the authentic you, uh, you know, that, that absolutely shows through. And I know that, uh, so much value is going to be had by the listeners on, on what you have to say. And it doesn't matter if they're going through the same thing or not. Being authentic like that shows people how to hopefully be authentic themselves. And that's, that's, that's how we need to show up every day is we need to show up every day, a hundred percent authentic of who we are. It was so nice having Christopher on the show, and it means a lot to me and the guests that if you enjoyed listening, then please take a second and rate the show on iTunes. Every podcaster will tell you that iTunes reviews drives listeners to our show, so please let me know your thoughts. 
and make sure to subscribe using your favorite podcast player. Until next week, always remember to think big.